I was not confident. You know, I just kind of felt like I'm unworthy and it made me feel bad and it made me feel like I don't want to reach out to people. It made me want to like retreat in myself. Like I felt whatever youthfulness and happiness and joy I had in my 20s, they ended. And I felt like I I was just kind of like a shell of my old self. Losing weight isn't easy. And some days we can feel like we need some extra help. Welcome to the Weight Loss Warrior podcast, the show where we share inspiring real-life success stories from normal, everyday people like you and I. Listen to how each of our guests managed to overcome their personal challenges to lose the weight they wanted as they talk about the secrets to their success and give great advice that you can benefit from. Become part of our tribe and use the Weight Loss Warrior podcast as your source of motivation and support to help you on your weight loss transformation. And now, your host and friend, Carl Radley. Hi, everybody. It's Carl here, and welcome to another episode of the Weight Loss Warrior podcast, the show where we share inspiring weight loss success stories from people all over the world. Today, I am joined by Inga from New Jersey, and she's here to tell us her story. How are you, Inga? I'm great. How are you, Carl? I'm doing very well indeed, and thank you so much for joining us today. I'm very excited to hear more about your story. And before we get into that, perhaps you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Um, originally, I came from Russia uh, 20 years ago. Uh, and right now, um, I live in New Jersey. As you said, I'm a mom of four. I work as a psychologist and I have private uh, practice. And um, I'm also a model. I started modeling at the age of 40. So a lot of things are happening. <laughs> Wow. Congratulations. That sounds really interesting. And um, you, you started modeling, I'll say quite late or, or decided to start quite late compared to, you know, a lot of people you consider Absolutely. or think yeah. would maybe start earlier. So um, I'm, I'm sure we'll find out if that's a, one of the benefits of, of, you know, your journey and something you decided to do or maybe something that you'd always wanted to do and, and just yeah. got the courage um, after 40. So before we get into that, if we could perhaps talk a bit about your journey leading up to weight loss. And, you know, I, I believe from the conversations we'd had previously, um, weight hadn't been an issue for you in your, your, your teenage years or your 20s. But then that changed um, as certain uh, events in your life changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was always skinny. I was um, a very slender child, uh, actually the skinniest kid in my class. Uh, I never had weight issues. Um, you know, my parents are like normal weight too. So I didn't have genetic predisposition. And in my twenties, I mean, I, I was slender, just like, you know, normal kind of, (laughs) you know, and, um, then, um, I've been through a number of difficult events in my life. Uh, and I also have had children and, um, altogether, I think it either changed my metabolism or the stress, but I did gain weight, um, I would say after my second child, I started really gaining weight. And then um, it was just an avalanche of events that were extremely difficult in my life. And I started gaining more and more and more weight as things have progressed. So, and I would say at my lowest point, like in 2013, when I was struggling immensely with my life, I was the heaviest, which was about 170 pounds, which still not like I'm five, seven, uh, you know, it's still not like a lot, a lot, but I was overweight. I was never obese, but I was overweight. 
for sure. Of course. And and I think it's, I mean, I, I always say to my guests and people I have conversations with, it's, it's all relative to how you feel. Um, you know, you, some people feel unhappy with their weight and so uh, they could be at the same weight that a lot of people would feel very happy to reach and, and arrive to. So I think it's a very personal thing and something that is part of that journey that you go on. And, and not only that, you often compare it to how you were before and the yeah. change that your body's gone through. And, and that's something that I think is very important to a lot of people, regardless of what you see in other people. Um, because ultimately, I, I don't believe you're in competition with anybody else except for yourself. And even using the word competition was probably, um, you know, not the case for many people. But I'm talking in terms of improvements there. So as I understand it, you, you know, you went through some very difficult years there. And if you don't mind telling me, during that time, how did being overweight impact you negatively? Uh, um, I mm, was not really uh, comfortable in my skin because I've had experienced a lot of trauma. You know, like I became uh, shy. I became not very outgoing. I was not confident. Um, you know, I just kind of felt like I'm unworthy and it made me feel bad and it made me feel like I don't want to reach out to people. It made me want to like retreat in myself and not be um, like sociable. And uh, I don't know, I just felt like I'm not, uh, you know, I just, I uh, like I felt uh, whatever youthfulness and happiness and joy I had in my 20s when I traveled the world, when I was studying in the university, when I was doing all these amazing things, uh, they ended. And I felt like I, w I was just kind of like a shell of my old self, you know, and the way definitely contributed to it. I was a caregiver. My dad was very sick. I was caring for him, changing diapers, pushing the wheelchair. I had newborn baby, full-time job, four other children. Like it was just a lot. And my marriage was crumbling as well. I'm sorry to hear that and and quite often when you have these other things that, that really control your life because obviously if you're a caregiver to your father that requires a lot of energy emotional and physical on a, a daily basis to take care and then all the other things of having a young family I know as a as a young father how how difficult that can be and on top of that, if you're unhappy with yourself because of either your weight or that it, the, the way you've just described it, I, I can relate to probably more now as I, I look back and had a conversation recently with some of my friends about how in my 20s, you know, I didn't have a care in the world. The World Cup's on at the moment. I'd be in the pub watching all the games with a beer in my hand, not having to worry or be responsible to anybody. But that, that word responsibility is something that I think increases with age for the majority of people. Yes, and it's a common, uh, it's a very common thing. But I think if considering I was only 30, having a, a dying father and having um, uh, uh, two foster children that had severe behavioral issues, um, one son was autism and a newborn baby and a full-time job, it's not a normal, like most people at the age of 30 do not have those responsibilities. And I did, and I had no system of support whatsoever. I fully agree. And I can only begin to imagine how trying to manage any one of those things individually would be difficult, but to, to try and have to juggle all of it at the same time. 
I can't imagine it left any time at all really for yourself for you to ask how Inga is and, and how you're coping. No, Inga. Inga was not there. No, no, as you've described. And this is something that I can, you, you said during your, your 30s and, and for some time this continued in a difficult way. And so when was it that Inga actually got a chance to to say, okay, how am I? How how am I coping? What's next for me? Actually, it was interesting. I just happened around the COVID because I my world got smaller and smaller because I experienced so many losses. I experienced the death of my father. Uh, my mom committed a suicide. So I had to bury her and fly to Russia. And, you know, it just was such a, um, you know, a traumatic experience for me. Those foster kids did not work out. They had to go to a different family. I had more loss and I also had two miscarriages, one in the second trimester. So yeah, I've, I've been through a lot. So, uh, so yeah, I would say um, uh, my world got smaller and smaller because I wanted to be safe. I felt like nothing is safe. I felt I had to keep everything together, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, so I don't lose more people. And I decided I don't want to experience like too many risky things. I like I didn't want to travel anymore. I stopped flying altogether after I went to bury my mom. Um, I stopped traveling. I didn't get on the airplane. I developed the fear of flying. And I just wanted to stay home most of the time with my children to keep them safe. And um, was not a way to live. And then the COVID happened. And of course, everybody was affected by that. But I, I decided, oh my God, this is like, you know, um, first I was like, um, you know, it's so scary, whatever. But then I realized that, you know, it, we just have to deal with it. Like it's pretty much part of life. So now we just have to deal with it. And I realized that nothing is safe. There is no guarantees in life. There is no safety. The only, um, the only thing you have is today, right? You only have a present moment. You don't have guarantee that tomorrow will be another day or a better day or any day, right? Uh, you don't know if your, your loved ones will be safe, no matter what you do. So I realized during this COVID, actually, it was a big major awakening for me that no matter what I do, no matter how safe I try to stay to prevent future losses, it might not help. So I might as well live my life. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, well, I'm not really happy with myself. So I got to make some major changes. And uh, I started, um, let's see. Well, first of all, I started overcoming my fears. Like the first one was fear of flying. So I got myself on the airplane, got my whole family on the airplane, we flew to California, spent the week there, was the best vacation ever, had a good time. You know, so I started experiencing, I started, like, I was always afraid to let my kids go somewhere. It's like, I started sending them to camps. I started sending them any, anywhere. So, and also I really cared about people's opinion, what they thought about me. Like, if I'm good, if I'm a good mom, if I'm this, if I'm that. Around that time, I stopped caring. I decided I don't give a damn what people think about me. It's none of my business. What is important, how I feel about myself, you know, so... And that is when I basically letting to answer your question, uh, when I had this moment of finding Inga, this is during the like around like mid 2020, I decided, you know what, I'm letting go of my fears. I'm letting go of uh, people pleasing and trying to make people happy with me. So I started becoming ruthless, like whatever didn't serve me was gone. Whatever I was afraid of, I would do. Like, and that really got me on the journey. That's very interesting. And 
I think very brave as well. And it sounds as though, if I can say it, it, it almost went from one extreme to the other. You decided that the best reaction was action and, and to, to go on a full offensive of, you know, rather than you mentioned a fear of flying that had developed. So instead of tiptoeing around it, you got on a plane and you went to California, you know, Absolutely. instead of... I flew scared. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine you were. And I mean, I'm sure once you arrived, you were relieved. And then once you'd had time to process it as well, I'm sure you were very proud of yourself. And this probably enabled you internally to think, OK, I can achieve anything. I, I can do the next thing, which led you to sending your kids to camp and the various other things. And, and I think when you create this momentum and you realize that the impossible is not actually impossible. It's actually not just encouraging, but almost it can be addictive. Like, what can I do next? What can I yes, challenge myself to do? Absolutely. That's exactly right. Once you overcome one fear, all the other fears start start crumbling. Um, you know, like I also had the severe fear of thunderstorms. And like the best time was when I was my, with my friend, we went uh, uh, tubing in the river. And of course, there was the biggest thunderstorm. I'm like, we got to get out. It's actually dangerous. And she's like, you know, today's not our uh, time to die. It's not our day. So there was like a lightning that struck. Like, I don't know, you could still see it. And it was a giant thunder. And it was quite scary. But you know what? We did it. And it's like, you know, like you said, I went on full offensive. Whatever little fear I had, um, I would just do it. I would not think. I would do it, you know, and and maybe then think. (laughs) (laughs) Or not. But but doing it that, this way around, I think, is often the the way to actually make the progress. Because if you're someone who has a fear of something or you start doubting yourself or second guessing, you can quite often talk yourself out of it. So, uh, you know, doing it at first and, and then wondering how you did it, I think, is fantastic. So congratulations on regaining control in that aspect and in many aspects of your life, I would say. And I'm curious as well, you, you said you're a psychologist. Yes. Now, is this something that you, a career you've had for a long time or is this something else it's not? Nope. I actually, uh, my undergraduate was in biochemistry. I, I was a scientist. So I worked for a pharmaceutical company for a number of years until I became mm-hmm. um, a mother of multiple, you know, then I quit my job and um, you know, then I just worked in a local school, like teaching, you know, so I had, I had multiple jobs, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, I, in my thirties, I decided I want to, well, uh, this was, um, uh, to give you some background. I got married very young. The first time I was 17, I was divorced at 21 with my first child. Um, my husband left me, he went back to Russia. He was Russian. So. Um, I was supposed to go to grad school, uh, in Hawaii. I was accepted. I had my full scholarship. I had my plane ticket and I found I'm pregnant and I couldn't go. So I had to stay, got a job, worked for a pharmaceutical company, be single mom. And that's what I did, you know, for until I remarried five years later. So, okay. yeah. So, 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 so that was, um, uh, my dream to go to grad school and I couldn't do it because of being a single mom. And once I had this other opportunity to do it. I did it in my 30s. So I, I changed my career because I was not really fulfilled um, in the pharmaceutical industry. You know, I did not really like believe in all these drugs and like, I don't know, I just was not really my cup of tea. Um, and I decided to study psychology because it was a very important uh, topic because I had children with severe trauma that I was fostering 
you know, I wanted to understand, you know, how is the best way to help them. And my mom committed suicide. So obviously I was really interested in this topic and I went to grad school and mm -hmm. I graduated with my master's in my mid thirties. Wow. Congratulations on that. And th this is something, the reason I asked was because psychology for me is, is I, I think it, it runs in parallel with the story that you've told me because of the, 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 the journey you've been through um, and the situations you've been placed in. The fact that you chose psychology, it, it, it didn't come as a big surprise, even though we don't know each other. It's the kind of thing that I could imagine understanding the trauma that you've been through is often quite a good way of overcoming it. And so if it's something you're interested in, then being able to help other people, I'm sure for you, there's a, a desire to help other people. And as a psychologist, uh, I think it gives you that platform and opportunity. And not only that, I'm sure you have a very high level of empathy for your patients and the people that you work with because of what you've been through, unfortunately. Um, so while I, I would never wish something bad on somebody to, to happen, it sounds as though you really have made the most positive outcome of a situation that you could, no matter how bad it's been. You, you come, you know, you've joined our call today, very positive, and uh, I can see and, and hear in the way that you talk that there's a level of pride there about what you've achieved and overcome despite what you've been faced with so i think it's very brave and and you know i I've, i'm sure you recognize that as well with the the achievements that you've made so ing i'd like to to focus a little more on your weight loss journey if that would be okay and so in 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 addition to all these other incredible things that you've done and fears you've overcome at what point did you decide that losing weight was going to be on your list of things to do <sighs> Um, I uh, remember during the COVID, I stepped on a scale and I was like, um, I think I was not quite 170 pounds. I think I was like 166. And I was like, this is not good for me. This is because, you know, I still kind of like, um, I don't know, like you said, you compare yourself to yourself, right? You remember how you were like, I was in my 20s, probably about um, 120, I would say 120 pounds. That was my normal weight. Uh, maybe 125 sometimes, you know, so, and I stepped on a scale and I looked at it, I was like 166, not good. So, you know, I kind of um, started wondering, like, what, why did I gain so much weight? Like, what exactly am I doing that is, um, you know, making me gain weight, you know, so, you know, so yeah, I started examining, like, um, around that time, you know, like what what can i do differently so i do not have that extra weight like uh, around i would say year mid 2020 okay and what was your next step once you understood or, or decided to take that that internal look at why you were weighing weight more than you had done previously and had decided you wanted to do something about it what was the process for you in discovering a method of losing weight that worked for you I tried a few things. I actually tried Noom. Have you heard of Noom app? Noom, yes. Noomies of the people Noomies. who follow Noom. Is that right? Noomies? Noomies, I thought yeah. So. <laughs> it's actually, up. it's like a reverse of the word moon, I found out. It means absolutely nothing. It's a, a like, made up word. <laughs> but do they even have, on their logo, is there a picture of a moon or something on their logo? I'm trying to think now. I'm not sure if I've just completely made that up. And um, if I have, then 
I'll let my listeners tell me if I'm just creating things out of nowhere or not. But I, I, I am familiar with with Noom. But for anybody who's listening and, and isn't, if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about the the base of, of what that method is, please. Well, it's a platform where you have to weigh yourself um, daily and you also put in the calories that you're eating. So you kind of um, have this accountability. And you're also in a community. You talk to people, you like check in with, uh, with your group and uh, there is a mentor who checks on you. And every day you get like a new lesson. You get some kind of uh, inspiration or you get some tip or you get some idea. And, um, you know, because they have so many different ideas about losing weight, something's got to stick. That's exactly what they said. Something will stick with you. Like, just listen to it all and see what sticks. And I tried the, you know, I, you know, I tried different things and um, some were more useful for me than others. Like, for instance, I absolutely hated calorie counting. Like, I'm not a very precise or punctual or like that kind of person. It's really not my personality. It drove me crazy. So... It's just I'm more intuitive than, you know, formally like precise. So I that did not work for me. But other things did work for me. I was listening to you, but also in my own head there thinking about how when you mentioned the word precise, I, I do calorie counting and I drive myself crazy sometimes with, you know, something as silly as grated cheese. Like I'm adding grated cheese I, and I, uh, I take off the smallest amount you. of grated cheese just to make the scale reach the, the you know the zero that I wanted it to instead of it being 41 grams and and I was just laughing to myself about that thinking you're absolutely right that level of precision is not necessary and it's, it's absolutely it's like it's kind of as necessary as honestly even having a Fitbit that che or check or checks your like um heart rate when you run or whatever who cares like you know you have a heart it's beating you're running that's good like honestly like, I'm true. just not a very you know what I mean? So for me, like, but if it keeps you accountable and if it the only way you could keep yourself accountable, go. This is it. what I wanted to say, because I think for many people, myself included, having that granular level of control, it can be the difference between doing things absolutely 100% correctly or close to, to zero level of correctness, because I, 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 I'm somebody who's an all or nothing kind of person in that, you know, if I'm following it, I'm following it completely. And I think having things like Fitbits and heart rate monitors, it brings people back to that level of accountability and it gives them something to focus on potentially that isn't themselves. So I focus on my calorie counting. And as a result of that, I've lost weight. People follow on their heart rate when they go on a run. Really, like you say, but they don't need to know how many beats per minute their heart is moving. But if that encourages them to go for their run, and helps them after that run and, and keeps them consistent on that run, then perfect. And I think it's about finding whatever works for that person. Like you said, whatever sticks. Yes, absolutely. Because I also realized whatever worked for me might not necessarily work for other people because everybody thinks differently, feels differently, has different needs, has different metabolism, has different psychology, like, you know what I mean? So we're products of our environment. So like whatever worked for me might not work for you. Whatever works for you might not work for me. So that's, Reasonable. That's absolutely true. Absolutely. And so what did work for you then, Inga? I'm interested to it know. It worked for me. So yeah, I, I started, I was like, what, what am I going to do differently? So I tried the keto diet because I was like, well, I really like to eat carbs. And I think the carbs are not, they making me gain weight because it's not the fat that makes you fat. It's the carbs that make you fat. <laughs> so I was like, maybe I should not eat as many carbs. I, you know, because I loved my cake, I loved my pasta, I loved my bread, I loved all these wonderful things. So I was like, you know what? If I really seriously want to lose weight and lose it quickly, 
I'm going to look good on that. And did you find it difficult adjusting to the lack of carbs? Because this is something, I mean, you said something interesting there that fat doesn't make you fat, carbs make you fat. But I, I personally, I think it's the excess of calories, whether it comes from fat or carbs or, or protein, regardless, in my opinion, what it comes from. If, you, if you're consuming more calories than your body needs, then you'll gain yes. weight, whether it's through carbs or fats. But one thing I will agree on is that I think that for a number of people, carb heavy diets they don't work well with digestion they don't work with people's body in general so for a lot of people by reducing the amount of carbs or cutting carbs out and going into a, a keto diet I, I think the benefit there is that your body works more effectively in terms of digestion and um, it can regulate things hormones as much better yeah, yeah and I if you disagree it. please tell me i you know this is a, a two-way conversation i'm happy yeah, to hear your I, opinion um, well i would say that um initially i was uh, craving carbs and like it was difficult definitely especially when my other family members ate carbs you know i was jealous i wanted to eat that too but you know it's it's kind of like once you go into ketosis your body becomes more efficient at processing your internal fat stores and then you don't feel as hungry and it's just it's not as bad you know i still had enough energy you know i still went for um i, I maybe would not run as fast uh, because you know you <laughs> carbs help you uh, i guess run faster i think so i couldn't run as fast i remember being a little bit sluggish yeah. you know but yeah i only did it for like three months and then for another six months i did low and i still do somewhat low um carb diet like i don't eat too many carbs but i eat carbs and mostly whole grains and mm-hmm. healthy carbs. so for you it was a combination of of kind of kick-starting your your journey by completely removing carbs and then you've now transferred into a lower carb diet to i'm guessing to when you wanted to lose the remaining weight but also now to maintain Yes, because I think a lot of people do that. They first go carb, like heavy duty, once they get their goals, because I don't want to lose any more weight. Like, I really don't. I'm trying not to. So I, you know, I eat uh, some carbs. But again, like, another thing that I'm doing, another thing that stuck with me from listening to Noom is um, listen to your internal hunger cues. You listen, like, eat slowly. Because it takes 20 minutes for you to, for your brain to realize you're full, right? Mm-hmm. If you're hungry, it takes 20 minutes. Your brain doesn't know until 20 minutes, right? So you eat slowly and then, you know, you will know when you're full. And um, I like to stop eating before I'm full. Like if I'm full, I don't like that feeling. It makes me feel uncomfortable. So I, feel, I stop like right before or a little before. Like I would say uh, it's like a scale, one to 10. One, I'm like, ravenous and then I'm so full that I am nauseous you know I would say I like to be around uh, like five five I would say four Mm -hmm. five like this so still comfortable but no longer with that that hunger feeling that you I still don't like to be hungry like if I'm hungry I eat I really eat uh, you know but um because I eat slowly once I'm like close to full I stop okay so that worked for me the best, I would say. Like you said, if you eat a lot of calories more than you expand, then yeah, you will gain weight. So, so, that's- so, so wow, that, that's it's really interesting. So for you, I mean, what I'm taking from this is Noom was the the, the main source of your you getting the information on how to lose weight, and you eventually found the the way that worked for you, which was keto. 
And now you've got to a point where you're you're no longer looking to lose weight. So you're maintaining and, and I'm sure leading a much healthier life in terms of diet because of that journey that you've been on. And and tell me yeah. tell me some of the other positive impacts and, and how you feel having lost the weight after, you know, going through your thirties of of being overweight and, un, and unhappy with, with how you were. Well, I um, decided, you know, I'm kind of like you, it's all or nothing. If I do something, I go all the way. Like, I don't just stop at like midpoint. Like, so I decided, I'm like, if I, you know, look, lost all this weight. Um, and another thing I had, I had, um, uh, I got um, a skin, uh, like a very bad acne in my thirties. Mm -hmm that was like skin disfiguring i had like boils on my face it was terrible so and my doctor said there's nothing that can be done it's just the way it is like we tried different medications antibiotics you ask me i tried it so you know so i kind of felt um you know like i'm gonna get rid of this i i got rid of it i don't have it i have a little bit of scarring left but it's not too bad like so so i basically decided since i overcame my trauma my losses uh, the weight loss and then uh, this disfiguring skin condition i'm going like all the way i'm gonna go modeling because when i was 20 i went to a modeling agency um i'm not super tall like i'm only like five seven so uh, back then 20 years ago they looked at me they're like oh you're pretty but you're short so no <laughs> so i had to you know they basically rejected me and i was i didn't try for another 20 years so i was like you know what, I'm going to do what I have, because I, the, the point is to do those things I wanted to do in my 20s um, that I couldn't do because I became a young mother and a single mother so early at the age of 21. So I'm like, I'm going to try it again. Like, you know, so I went to New York City and went, had another audition and they accepted me at 40. <laughs> After I had four children. <laughs> no, and, and that's fantastic. And, and I think it's, I think it's something that, probably 20 years ago when you went to try this the the industry itself was probably very different to as it is now and I think now the world is much more open and, and realizes that you know you don't have to be 20 years old six foot tall wafer thin to, to be a model per se and 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 so the fact that you had the opportunity to do that and you are and, and so what what kind of modeling have you been doing since you decided to embark on this I um, have been doing high fashion modeling. I've been in many fashion shows, including New York Fashion Week. And I'm actually next going, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next week, I'm going to Dubai Fashion Week. So, wow. yeah, that's just kind of what I wanted to do high fashion. I was published in many magazines, including Vogue. You know, so I just, you know, I, I kind of, uh, this is what I'm interested in high fashion. Mm, uh, Commercial modeling, like since I'm with the agency now, I just signed in with the agency a few months ago. So uh, like if I get some commercial modeling, I would be interested in, in, in mm -hmm. it as well, you know, because I kind of want, I want to get paid for my time and because some fashion shows, they don't pay you, you know, okay. I kind of, I want to get paid. So, um, so yeah, so I would say that those are my main interests. I would say high fashion, runway, uh, print. And that's something that as a result of your weight loss and, and the confidence that you've gained from that, that you were willing to try again, which is, is absolutely great. And, and I wish you all the best in Dubai when you, when you go to, to Dubai Fashion Week and it, you, you're not doing things by halves by any stretch, are you, Inga? You're, you're going from, you know, if, if you're going to do modeling, you're going to be in Fashion Week, you're going to be in Vogue and, and that's amazing. So, so really well done there. And I'm very happy to hear that. 
I'd like to ask in the time that we have left, if possible, what advice you would give to anybody who listens to this and is considering their own weight loss journey or is perhaps already on it and looking for some extra advice or tips? I would say this is all in your mind. Um, uh, if you uh, fix your mind, you can fix anything. Because once I overcame this trauma and fears, the world became my oyster. Like uh, you could change physical appearance quite easily if your mind is set to it. Do you know that even your mind knows how much you're supposed to weigh? You tell your mind and it has this internal calibration and it sticks around that weight. You know, there is such a oh, thing wow. that your mind maintains what you kind of program it to, to be. So you basically, uh, I would uh, suggest to other people who are struggling with weight issues or with um, you know, still still recovering from personal uh, losses or trauma. Um, I would say um, one thing that can help is, you know, meditating and thinking who you really are, what do you really want, where you want to go. So that that would be helpful. And I would um, and once they realize that, they could put their mind to to it and pretty much um, achieve anything. You know, but it has to come from within, not from what other people tell them to do, but from within. That's great. And and I have to say, I think, Inga, this was the first piece of advice I've received on this podcast since starting back in September, where someone has said to focus on internal things first. And it's so refreshing to hear this, not because I think anyone else previously has been wrong. I I don't think that's at all but one of the strongest feelings I have about the whole weight loss community and industry as a whole is that physically you can your weight can go up it can go down but if you internally have low um, self-esteem if you have mental health problems it doesn't matter how many times you lose weight if those problems still remain you're not fixing yourself Mm -hmm. as a whole you're only fixing part of the problem and that part of the problem does not solve the rest. And I think you have to look internally first. And the ideas, the suggestions, sorry, that you've just given of meditation, asking yourself who you are, where you want to be, who you want to be. I think these are questions that people, people quite often think I would like to be slimmer and assume that would bring happiness. But I think you have to ask probably quite a level deeper than that what would actually make you happy not will i be happy once i'm slim but what would make me happy and the answer isn't always being slimmer it could be part of the thing but quite often like you said there could be an internal trauma a level of unhappiness things that have to be worked on internally first and and i love your answer on that thank you so much you're very welcome i think we're running out of time so i would just like to say once again thank you so much for joining me on this podcast episode I'd like to welcome you as one of our weight loss warriors. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much, Carl, for having me on your podcast episode. And finally, I'd like to ask if people could follow you on it, if they would like to follow you on Instagram, if that's possible, if that's okay, if they can come and see more about your story. I know you have some before and after photos there and you share your lifestyle. So would that be okay to share that? Yes. Perfect. So I'll add a link to your Instagram in the show notes of this episode where people can come and visit you and i'm sure if anyone has any questions they can reach out to you and you'd be happy to answer wonderful thank you so much thank you so much for your time today bye-bye take care
I'd also like to say a big thank you to you, our listeners. I appreciate you joining us at the Weight Loss Warrior podcast and would love that you become part of our tribe. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast to never miss a new Weight Loss Warrior tell their story. We share brand new episodes every single Monday and Thursday and hope that you join us next time. You can also find us on Instagram where we share great tips and advice on how you can lose weight in a safe and sustainable way. Simply search for Weight Loss Warrior Podcast and follow us today. Remember, be kind to yourself and keep looking forward. You can achieve your goals.